0: We're back with the Tech Policy Grind. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a fellow with the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, the organization where the next generation of tech law and policy professionals convene to write, think, and talk about the web, technology, and disruptive innovation. This is the Tech Policy Grind, the Foundry's podcast where we chat about what's going on in the world of tech policy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. So if you've been following us here for a while, or if you know me personally, you might know that for the past few months, I've been living in Sao Paulo, Brazil, studying and interning abroad before I head back to the US to finish my last semester of law school. While I've been here, I had the opportunity to intern for a boutique law firm called VMCA Advogados. That means lawyers in Portuguese which specializes in antitrust and data protection. A ton has been happening in the Brazilian data protection space these past couple of months, so I wanted to catch up with my bosses, Marcela Matiuso and Nathalie Fragoso, partners at VMCA, to unpack everything that's been going on and give you a glimpse into how the Brazilian data protection ecosystem works. Hope you enjoy. Oi, Marcella. Oi, Nathalie. Thank you
1: for coming on the Tech Policy Grind. Hi, Rima. It's a pleasure. Hey, Rima. No, thank you for having us. And I'm really
0: excited to get into our conversation today, which is all about updates in Brazil, where we all currently are, but is where both of you are from, uh, to talk privacy, data protection, regulatory updates, And it's especially, I think, a really exciting time to be having this conversation because there is so much going on. So I want to get right into it. And to start us off and sort of contextualize our conversation, I know some of our audience is American, but we also have listeners from all over the world. What are some of the core privacy problems that appear in Brazil in particular? So- Many of them are probably similar to those that are faced in any jurisdiction, but in addition to those which are a little more unique to the Brazilian context.
2: So, Rima, um, Brazil introduced its general data protection law in August 2018, outlining basic rules to, for the processing of personal data and establishing the National Data Protection Authority right, to oversee its compliance. Of course, agents, processing agents, have been processing data since before that. And now they must comply with the new law, not so new anymore. And, well, those agents have varied uh, levels of resources and also varied levels of motivation. Also, we are in a social context marked by major leaks, uh, by a certain pattern of processing data in the public sphere, which is not so secure. And I guess it's also relevant to see that the first sanctions of um, issued by a- ANPD are sanction, uh, sanctions uh, affecting organs, public organs. And also, I guess we have um, a problem, which is the access of certain categories of personal data, which makes it easier, for example, uh, for people to commit identity frauds and and other acts like that. Um, I would add maybe a certain, well, we are in, in, in a very unequal society and people have different levels of access to what are their rights and how to make them um, how to exercise them. So I guess those would be some of the problems we are facing in Brazil, right? Yeah,
1: now. and if I may, chip in just quickly, any particularity in Portuguese, in Brazilian Portuguese especially, is something that we call jabuticaba, which is a fruit that basically only exists in Brazil. So whenever we say, oh, there's jabuticaba in Brazil, it's because it's particular to Brazil. One of those things regarding data protection and privacy, um, perhaps, is that our system is built in a way in which there is a very strong interaction between consumer and data protection. The The issue is that currently, according to the Brazilian general data protection law, our sort of GDPR, um, those institutions, the consumer law institutions, they can also tackle data protection issues, even though the responsibility for acting on a federal level is solely of our DPA, our data protection authority, the ANPD. So that's also something that's to some extent particular about Brazil, because in many other jurisdictions, we also have um, discussions and challenges regarding who applies what when, um, but here, because the consumer law system is very, very, very decentralized in the country and the country itself is very large, um, that issue becomes perhaps more, I don't know, it, it becomes sort of a larger issue to be tackled within the context of data protection and, and privacy.
0: So I want to dig into, naturally you mentioned the LGPC. Uh, let's get into that a little bit more. So this is often compared to the GDPR in Europe. How is it
2: similar and what are some of the key differences? They are actually similar laws. Um, they have they are similar in personal, in territorial, in material scope. They both uh, establish its extraterritorial application. They both have these... Um, legal basis regime i mean uh what a processing agent needs in order to process data is a lawful basis right there are also some very similar definitions for example personal data and also uh the special categories of personal data and in brazil the sensitive data which are uh data that is protected by a more strict regulation on its use. So those are some of the similarities, but there are also differences, for example, regarding data subject rights. I mean, we do not have exactly the same rights and they are not to be exercised in the, exactly the same manner. One example of this is the, the right to oppose, the right to object and, and uh, a data treatment. And also, I mean, it's important to say that we have one law to be applied by one data protection authority, which is the ANPD. And when we are talking about GDPR, we are talking about a regulation which is valid in the whole European Union and to be applied by a lot of um, different authorities. I guess that's also an important distinction. Yeah. How it. Um- applies in the territory.
1: I'd add one particular aspect, which often comes about when we're talking to foreigners and they're trying to compare to to the GDPR because it's, you know, something everyone knows of, knows about, um, which is profiling. um, And what here in Brazil is Article 20 of the LGPD. So unlike what happens in Europe, we don't actually have in our law a definition of what profiling is. Um, And automated decision-making in Brazil um, has different parameters than it does in the GDPR. How so? So basically the GDPR establishes a rule by which automated decision-making that is made for specific purposes is not allowed. And it is only allowed under specific circumstances. And in Brazil, it's kind of the opposite direction. So That is something that um, for many, many companies and also for um, NGOs and and for citizens is important to understand where Brazil stands on this particular issue. It's also something that now with the um, discussions discussions focusing on AI um, is becoming more relevant. So it's something that, you know, I, I think it's one very specific aspect of the law. It's like one article, but. It establishes like very different results in terms of what that ex- exactly means for, you know, any regulated entity and also for citizens. So I think it's worth, worth highlighting. And Marcela, earlier you mentioned
0: the decentralization of the Brazilian consumer protection model. And I want to sort of get an understanding of how Brazilian data protection law, really fits in with that wider model and also sort of broader different concepts and regimes within Brazil's just Brazilian constitutional law uh,
1: and other areas. Yeah. So let's try to do a brief overview so that we don't stay here for four hours. Um, I, I think like generally how does data protection, data protection legislation work in Brazil? So we have, as the GDPR does, one law that is a general law. So it applies to everything data protection. So in that sense, it's very different from what exists in the U.S., for instance. Um, We have the DPA, the ANPD, which, as Nacho already mentioned, is the authority responsible for applying that legislation um, and also for regulating several of the aspects of the legislation that are still like pending regulation and clear need to be further scrutinized and defined. Um, We also have, as, as you said, the consumer protection system, which in theory can deal with data subjects rights. So that is where the consumer protection in theory enters this discussion. And that system is the opposite of the DPA system because it is completely decentralized. So instead of having like one authority which is responsible for enforcement in the entire country, we have several authorities responsible for it. We have the public prosecutor's office. We have also what we call procons, which are um, based on every single state in Brazil, also in some cities in Brazil. So it's a very, very decentralized system. Also, you spoke about constitutional law. There's one interesting aspect um, here which is after the LGPD was approved, Brazil passed a change in the constitution. Yes, U.S. people, it's possible to change the constitution in other countries. Um, I know it sounds awkward. Um, So we added a fundamental right to data protection to our constitution. So now on top of like us having a specific law, we also have that as a fundamental right. Um, So... the, the truth is there's a lot of interaction in all of those fronts. And because actual enforcement of the law is so new. So um, we mentioned, right, we approved the law in 2018. There was a two-year vacatio legis period in which the law was approved, but it wasn't in effect. Um, and we're now in 2023. So, you know, it, it hasn't been a very long time. So it's hard to say how exactly, though, all of those agents will interact concretely. But what we've seen so far is that the DPA is at least open to talking to other authorities and to trying to build cooperation and building a framework in which there's, like, some level of integration and not complete chaos, which, you know, it's it's better than the opposite. So I'm hopeful
2: it's worth um, mentioning or adding that we have two specific le- legislations right one regarding the consumer relations and the other one regarding data protection those laws for example when you're talking about LGPD, we do have a central uh, an organ which is responsible for in- interpreting it but this law can and should be applied by, for example, the Brazilian courts, and the Brazilian courts also apply the consumer code. So those specific legislations both have to be interpreted in order to say the law to specific cases to I don't know establish uh, concrete obligations and and determine um, I don't know. Uh, some kind of reparations to 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 data subject, so those specific legal grounds those specific legislations must be although they may be interpreted by their um, the main organs in those systems, they also must come together in specific cases in concrete cases so that 's when these fragmented um order juridic uh, system comes together and, and I don't know, they, they form what we here have as a data protection framework. I want to focus first on the
0: ANPD. What's their sort of jurisdiction to, to focus on enforcing data protection and what has it done? so far?
2: The National Data Protection Authority, the Brazilian DPA, is an organ which is linked to the Ministry of Justice nowadays, and its primary role is to interpret LGPD and establish rules and guidelines for its implementation and also sanction the processing agents when they are not compliant, when they breach the law. So the NPD, it, it operates both in federal, state and municipal levels because well, it's one authority for the whole country, and it must interpret, it must regulate, it must implement LGPD, and also sanction the agents which are processing personal data in Brazil. So that's its main mission, its main, it the scope of its um, its work. I guess what we have, we can. ANPD has been doing a lot. It has been issuing a lot of regulations, for example. ANPD, for example, has issued a regulation on the procedure for sanctioning agents, has also kind of clarified how some aspects of the law should be interpreted by processing agents, has also uh, kind of issued some guidelines for, I don't know, processing agents who are still in the process of um adapting it its practices and, and, and establish establishing uh a compliance uh protocol. So ANPD has for now in these first years of its uh, work has tried to educate against the, the different processing agents and regulating this infra legal um level its own uh, proceedings, its on decision-making
1: processes, and so on. Yeah, and what has just sort of like, it's a, I don't know, five-month period, if, so, if that much, um, what has just started is actually the sanctioning process within the DPA. So we have a very limited number of cases so far, so it's really hard to say anything in terms of like, what has, what is your conclusion about what the ANPD has done? Um, because it hasn't done much. The truth is that it hasn't done much. Um, <laughs> but that was, to some extent, expected due to how the process was carried out throughout the last um, couple of years. So what do they have from information that we could say is that there has been a particular focus on public institutions and not only private institutions. So the ANPD has sanctioned government authorities saying, okay, you shouldn't have done this. You have to change this procedure, um, which is, again, to some extent perhaps particular about Brazil. Um, But there's a lot still that can happen there. And it's hard to say like, okay, how is the fine range looking like? Um, What is the DPA considering to be a problem? How is it, you know, going about determining what is an infraction and what isn't? Because we have that um, specificity about the LGPD. There's no list of infringements. So you can, it's a question in itself, like what will the DPA decide that it should sanction? And what will it decide that is not necessarily an infringement? So th- there's a lot to be um, to be done still. But as Nancy was saying, they have been heavily investing on the regulatory um, part of their work. Right now, for instance, they're discussing the quote-unquote DPO rules in Brazil. It's in, um, it, the public consultation is already um, open. There will be a public hearing as well in early December. So, you know, it's a very exciting time for data protection in Brazil. There's a lot that is going on.
0: And I want to dig in a little bit more on these different public comment and public hearing processes that the ANPD is engaging in and they've issued a couple in the past. And as you mentioned, they have a couple ongoing now. So some of these notably are issued in both Portuguese and English. So does that tell us anything from your point of view on whether the ANPD is really looking outward for collaboration from other data protection entities or or other DPAs abroad, or if it's interested in extraterritorial enforcement or perhaps both?
1: Yes, it for sure is interested. And you can see that from other initiatives they have been doing in being involved in the international data protection privacy landscape. That That's obviously true. Um, at the same time, like the one um, consultation that was drafted in, mo- in both English and Portuguese is specific about the um, artificial intelligence sandbox. And w- we can talk more about it Specifically later. But my point is that there are several other consultations that have not been released in English. So if someone that is, I don't know, outside of Brazil wants to contribute to it, the person either has to speak Portuguese, which is a little bit unlikely, or they have to do the work of translating it themselves. But I also think that I mean it's strategic, right? So there are issues that they want to keep like focused on Brazil, but there are other issues that they do see, um, you know, a benefit of reaching out to other um, members of these, of this community, that the same thing goes for like the international transfers consultation, right? So that's obviously one aspect in which you should be, you know, listening to the global community, not just listening to Brazil. So I think they've been good at balancing that um it's clear that they they do care about the international um the international community they want to hear them um they're participating they're taking part also in seminars and discussions like every year in the global privacy um seminar at, from the AIPP in in DC there's always someone from from the DPA over there so my guess is like sure they are concerned about it they want to discuss it more with the international community. At the same time, they also are concerned about not opening up too much of what they're doing to the international community. Otherwise, it's just a gigantic amount of comments that they have to process that is, of course, harder. So I
0: want to get into that AI and data protection sandbox process that they are currently sort of seeking comment on and i think compared to other regimes that we've seen who are exploring regulatory sandboxes for privacy the inclusion of ai within their their comment process exploring a sandbox is particularly interesting so could you talk a little bit about what this sandbox could do if implemented and why, other than the obvious that it's on everyone's minds right now, uh, why AI might be a particular priority for for this ANPD.
1: Yeah, so I think there's a background issue here that if you just look at the consultation, you might not be able to grasp, but if you look at the whole picture, then you will understand better. Uh, There is a There's currently a lot of discussion um, for the Brazilian AI Act, right? We're discussing a regulatory framework for AI in Brazil. And the DPA has been strongly advocating for it to become the regulator of the upcoming AI regulatory framework, if that framework is approved in Congress, etc. So... Part, and I think a very large part, like more than 50% of why they are focusing on AI and the AI sandbox right now is to show that one, they have expertise on this topic. Two, there's a strong connection between data protection and AI. One, that should not be ignored by legislators. So if they want to pass legislation regulating AI, they should look for um the, the data protection authority and do it together with, or at least taking into consideration the existence of the data protection framework in Brazil. So to be totally transparent, I think that is basically the reason why this consultation exists today. Um, but at the same time, like it's it's obvious that there is a strong connection between AI and data protection in general, right? Um, and I think that the sandbox experiences that we've had in Brazil were very sectorial so far. So like financial institutions, etc. cetera. And this is a different approach, right? So it's something that in theory anyone could apply to so long as they're using like data, personal data and AI, which is terribly broad. So to me, to be perfectly honest, it is not completely clear um, what they can draft from this. But I think it's not to them either. That is why they have a public consultation, which is like, what do you think, community, that we should aim for? How should we draft this? Do, Do you see something that is more relevant than something else? What would the scope of the sandbox be? What would the sandbox mean? So my feeling is that most of the questions that are there are genuine concerns and questions that they have. And th- there's no obvious, clear, defined picture that they're they're trying to push towards. It's more like actually trying to get contributions in order to draft this in a way that makes sense. I guess your view, Marcel, is
2: on point And to, I don't know, it... It's also relevant that this public consultation was accompanied by a study on not artificial intelligence but on sandboxes. So different options were presented there in order to people give their feedback.
0: And to dig a little bit into the dynamic that you described, Marcella, of the ANPD sort of staking its claim on AI as a subject and wanting to establish itself as the regulator. It's interesting because I think in the U.S. we have a somewhat analogous situation, not just for AI, but kind of for various data protection, cybersecurity, privacy issues generally, because although the FTC is probably the most prominent by a long shot regulator of data protection issues in the U.S. It doesn't, because we lack a federal privacy law, it doesn't have um, quite the same formal mandate as the ANPD does as the data protection regulator. So there's been discussion on issues of AI and cyber from various regulators across The US. So, to dig into that dynamic a little bit more, who are the different regulators within Brazil that are interested in this AI regulation piece as well? And if you had to read the tea leaves, who might come out ahead?
1: Yeah, so I think, again, there's a broader scenario for like everything digital regulation here, and AI is part of that. Um, I think one of the most vocal regulators that is interest in kind of like any piece that you want to give them they're happy with um, is the telecommunications agency so Anateo um, has advocated for being the regulator for the fake news bill um, or misinformation bill as some people call it they are also advocating there is a bill of law in Congress right now to be the regulator of the Brazilian Digital Markets Act um, they also, like, made some movement regarding AI, but the AI discussion is less developed, let's call it, than, than the other discussion, so it hasn't been so vocal. But if you listen to the public hearings, in case you speak Portuguese, um, they are there saying that, and there are other people, you know, broadcasting sort of the same, the same view. So if I were to name one that is certainly willing <laughs> Um, uh, I would, I would say, um, the telecommunications agency. I don't think they are particularly likely to become, at least in terms of AI. I think if I were to bet in between the DPA and, and Anatel for AI, I, I'd bet on on the DPA. Um, I, I think the main issue for the DPA is that the DPA is a very, very recent agency, agency right? So it hasn't even finished the LGPD process now it wants to take on another um, you know role an additional role a very complicated one so th- that's a little bit um, hard to accommodate within government um, another that usually comes up but I think that it mostly does because it's very large and has strong capabilities generally is the central bank um, I mean obviously it doesn't like not all of AI is focused on financial institutions, but because the Central Bank in Brazil has, for instance, been responsible for implementing the Open Finance um, regulation and all of the interconnections between the financial institutions, etc., cetera, et cetera, there is a broad view that they are capable of doing complicated stuff. They also have a good um, relationship with companies. Most uh, that that's how it's seen, at least. So that's something that makes some people more comfortable. But the truth is that I don't think there is a clear front runner for this. Um, I think that the least burdensome to justify from a strictly speaking, like legal text perspective would be the DPA, but the practical issues in, in the DPA are very significant and, I'm not sure like there would be governmental support given that they still have so much to do in data protection itself for for them to take on this this new role. Um maybe if I were to bet I'd say it's more likely for there to be like a council or a combination like a forum of you know, something similar to what the UK did for digital regulation. Like, oh, let's have the ICO and the CMA and a bunch of people and the Ofcom and they're all going to do it together, at least for a certain period of time. And then when we have maturity on this topic, we can create a different authority, perhaps, to to regulate this topic. When we have maturity and perhaps a little bit more budget and people forgot about the creation of the last agency. So it's easier to create a new one. I don't know.
2: It's interesting to notice the different signs that uh, an agency is interested in becoming the regulator for a specific theme. For example, in the case of AI Bill, we saw uh, ANPD providing feedback, for example, on the project and highlighting its um, expertise on the subject. And we also have seen Anatel making efforts to be heard in the regulation or efforts to gain some kind of foothold in the pl- implementation of this bill of law. So it's interesting because you know, directors come to, pub, to the public to, and, and provide feedback on the, on the proposed regulation and also highlight the expertise and call for contribu- contributions or issue some kind of study. So it's interesting to pay attention to those different signs. And when the agencies um, are interested in becoming a regulator or the regulator for a specific theme. And
0: before we start to wrap up our conversation, I wanna pivot a bit because I think VMCA is such an interesting firm because not only do you have the work that you do for corporate clients on tech, data protection, and antitrust, but also this work for what would translate literally to the third sector or work with NGOs and more civil society. Uh, So I want to touch a little bit about what that work looks like in the data protection context in Brazil and sort of the overall state of uh, surveillance and data protection from a rights perspective?
2: We have two main fronts. One of them is the effort to be compliant with LGPD. Because every processing agent must nowadays be compliant, we do provide Um, help to third-sector organizations in becoming compliant with the data protection regulations. But there is also another very important front of our activity, which is providing, um, I don't know, guidance and help with things related to surveillance, state surveillance, and other human rights issues related to privacy and surveillance. And, well, in Brazil, this is a very important Topic, As we know, um, LGPD does not regulate law enforcement, so data protection for law enforcement is not covered by LGPD. Although nowadays the constitution um, has a specific cons- fundamental right of to data protection, right? So although we do not have a specific law, we do have a f- constitutional protection which... Is of course uh, which binds, which is uh, which is mandatory for all state agents for all state activities. So right now, what we have been doing is reflecting and 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 giving in helping uh, organizations navigating that data protection and privacy landscape to question some unfair practices or question some policies which have. Discriminatory impacts, which are disproportionate, which which violate the the right to data protection or the or, or privacy rights, we do have in Brazil a very complicated um, landscape of police practices, um, going from the constitutional protection of telecommunications secrecy and how it is or it is not implemented to the stop-and-frisk practice uh, on the street, you know. So um, there are a lot of organizations working on that, and we have been kind of providing um, legal legal support to them in order to to navigate this, this digital landscape. Yeah, and
1: also I think that to some extent we've done, especially um, during a little bit of the Bolsonaro years, a little bit of education. So a lot of the NGOs thought that data protection could be something that would like solve their surveillance issues, their concerns with surveillance. So a little bit of it was also kind of frustrating in the, in the sense that we said, okay, maybe not all of them, some, but not all of them. Um, in the same sense, um, during, in the last government, there was a lot of confusion Um, regarding our FOIA legislation and data protection. So one of the main aspects that was used to deny access to information to several of these NGOs and journalists and like the media in general was data protection, right? So they said, okay, this is, I can't disclose this information because it's private. Therefore, you know, I'm sorry, but now we have a new law, the LGPD, which means that I can't share anything. So there was also a process in which these people were like, is this true? <laughs> like, to which extent is this real? And to which extent is this just, you know, uh, something that they're hide- hiding behind in order not to share that information? And I think the new government itself solved several of these issues. There were several. Um, the ANPD, for instance, Um, Even signed a joint agreement with the office of the controller general, which is the institution in federal government that regulates or FOIA, kind of saying, these two things are not, you know, controversial. They can both exist at the same time. And you cannot simply use data protection as the one and only reason for why you cannot share any information. Um, There's a balance here that has to be um, discussed and has to be um, reached between authorities. So um, a lot of the discussion was, I think, on that on those fronts, but there's also a lot of work still to be done. I I personally see that the because our DPA and our legislation does not cover um, any national security issues, like this is the clearest and largest front for for NGOs right so there's a lot police intervention all of that is not covered by our legislation so obviously there's a lot to be done there by NGOs a lot of them are seriously concerned and they're trying to do their best and we try to help us as best we can because
2: we do not have any specific legislation regarding that protection in law enforcement law national security, we do have some NGOs, for example, attempting to have this debate in the constitutional court. So we do have some major cases, for example, regarding some public data um, initiatives in the federal uh, level, but also in... The relate in the in the organs which deal with intelligence and also we, with um, the sharing of data uh, between two different public organs. Um, those debates, because they not all of them at least are not covered by LGPD, have been occurring in the constitutional court, and it has been very interesting to track company how the. The STF is addressing those challenges because as we said, uh we do have constitutional protection to those interests, to those rights. Oh that is the right not to be exposed to disp um, disproportional surveillance or the right not to be, I don't know, a victim of discrimination by means of surveillance and so on. And this challenge has been addressed uh, until now by the, the Constitutional Court. And we are still waiting for the, the bill uh, on that. It was actually presented by a, a commission of, of legal experts, but it, it has not been approved by the National Congress.
0: I think because in some ways Brazil and the U.S., have a lot more in common than perhaps the U.S. and the EU as far as ways that the government is set up and sort of constitutional measures and whatnot. And the fact that the U.S. has FOIA measures and Brazil has sort of a similar thing. It's interesting to compare across and see the impact actually of Having a federal data protection regime, which an actual law and regulation which the US currently lacks, because some of those issues that you mentioned of transparency and national security tensions and whatnot have yet to be fully fleshed out. I think because we are lacking still a federal privacy law that puts more of those tensions in sharp comparison. So that's fascinating, I think, to learn from the Brazilian context for American listeners and how these things might come to more of a head than they they have so far in the American context. So to wrap us up, what does the road ahead look like from your vantage points for... The Brazilian data protection landscape.
2: So I would expect some regulation, for example, on law enforcement, although we do not see any movement in that sense. uh, It's something that is absolutely necessary nowadays, given the recent scandals on the use of surveillance softwares without and judicial order, order authorizing it and and so on so I'd like to see some some kind of regulation on that aspect and or some kind of of decision by the federal by the the courts and the constitutional courts especially uh, addressing this matter but also I guess sector specific regulations on data protection we have seen we have this general law and we do have a lot of um, different actors uh, trying to adapt or also regulate, uh, interpret this these general law, but in the health, health sector or in the educational sector or in the statistic uh, sector and, and so on. So I would like to see, I guess it, it's actually already happening, but I feel that there is a, a road of sector-specific regulations to be worked on in the next few years.
1: Yeah, I also think that in any scenario, there's a lot of regulation broadly that the ANPD still has to tackle as well from like further aspects of the LGPD that need to be um, further scrutinized from literally everything, like from international transfers to data subject rights. So I think that will certainly um, remain... It's something that will not stop right now, but I also think that we have a challenge here for 2024, which is will the DPA be able to like ramp up its sanctioning process? Because as much as we all believe that, you know, it shouldn't all be about enforcing and sanctioning companies or entities, if there's no enforcement, then companies tend to like overlook data protection um, legislation, right? So I think that, was, that is one challenge slash something that I hope to see. Um, I, I think the DPA is trying to work in that direction, but it's unclear to what extent they'll be able to do that. Also because just, I mean, I, I, maybe we should have said this before, but like the DPA is very small. <laughs> um, it's very limited in human resources and in resources overall. So let's see that. We also have um, a new vacancy at the um, leadership of the ANPD right now. So one of the directors um, just left the authority and it's the first of the directorships that will be filled by the new government. So I think it will be interesting to see how that process will be carried out as well. Um, We have new changes happening because it's a new authority like every year. Up until twenty twenty six if I'm not mistaken, so that's also something that I'm looking forward to um and as not sure already said i, I don't want to um like say it again, but like interaction with other authorities, both in terms of like sectorial specific regulation but also in terms of interaction itself, like me, I work with both as you know rima um data protection and antitrust there's a myriad of discussions there. Um, we're just starting this process. So I I think that is something that we should look out for. How will these interactions be built? Um, I think there's a lot of room for, for growth there.
0: Thank you both so much for joining for this conversation. This has been fascinating. And also on a personal note, thank you for being such incredible hosts for my time here in Brazil, in the wonderful city of Sao Paulo, which is quite rapidly coming to an
1: end, sadly. Um, But it's been amazing getting to to know you. It was great having you. It's our pleasure. We hope to have you back soon.
0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tech Policy Grind. If you enjoyed the show, get in touch with us at Foundry Podcasts with an S at ilpfoundry.us. Or leave us a review wherever you're tuning in. I'm Rima Musa, the host of the show. And this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of our team at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry. Thank you to Evan Enzer for editing this episode, Lama Muhammad, our social coordinator, Allison McReynolds, our accessibility coordinator, and Tim Lorden at the
1: Internet Education Foundation. See you next time.